Chapter 18 of With Frederick the Great, A Story of the Seven Years' War by G. A. Henry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gary Oldman. Chapter 18 Engaged. On the following day, Sir John Mitchell handed to Fergus the official documents respecting the restoration of the estates and after taking copies of the same fergus wrote a long letter to his mother enclosing the official papers mitchell having offered to send the packet home with his dispatches fergus was glad to get the documents sent off in this way by which indeed he had sent the greater part of his letters to his mother the post being so uncertain and insecure that there was no trusting it and although his mother's replies were always sent to the care of the ambassador a large number of them were lost in transit early in april fergus suddenly broke down his work had been almost incessant the cold in the tent had at night been extreme and having been wetted to the skin one day when a sudden thaw came on his clothes had been frozen stiff when at nightfall the force returned with even greater severity than before in spite of the cloaks and blankets that Carl heaped upon his bed, he shivered all night, and in the morning hot fits came on. The king's surgeon, coming in to see him, pronounced that the chill had resulted in what was probably rheumatic fever. He was at once carried to a hospital some miles in the rear. This was crowded with officers and men, suffering from the effects of their hardships but a room was assigned to him in a house close by that had been taken for the use of officers of distinction here for two months he lay helpless and at times delirious paul sat up with him almost night and day taking two or three hours sleep occasionally on the floor but starting up whenever his master moved or spoke sir john mitchell rode over several times to see him and the king's own surgeon went over twice a week these visits, however, both ceased three weeks after he entered the hospital, the king's army having rapidly marched away. At the end of June he was out and able to sit in the sun in the garden. How long shall I be before I am fit for duty again? he asked the surgeon two days later. Six weeks or two months. It will be fully that time before you can retain your strength. In a month, no doubt, you'll be able to sit a horse but I should say that it would be quite twice that time before you will be fit to perform the work that falls to your lot on the king's staff. You want to have quiet, and at the same time you need pleasant company. The worst thing you can possibly do is to worry and fret yourself. Instead of bringing things about sooner, it will only delay them. What you have to do is to bask in the sun, eat and drink as much as you can, and take life pleasantly there is one thing you have nothing to grieve about that you are not with the king he is marching hither and thither with wonderful celerity but to do what he will he cannot induce dawn or lacy to give battle though together they are three to one against him whenever he approaches they simply shut themselves up in impregnable places erect palisades and batteries and hope that he will dash himself against them, which he is not likely to do. Fergus found that Frederick, when he marched, had left behind a force sufficient to check any attempt that the Austrian garrison of Dresden 
might make towards the north but that at present all was quiet the enemy venturing on no aggressive movements never knowing when the king might suddenly pounce down upon them he found that there was no attempt made to blockade the town no carts with provisions were allowed to pass in from the north side but on the west there was free ingress and egress there being no prussian troops in that direction fergus therefore hired a peasant to carry a letter for him to count eulenfurst explaining how it was that he had been unable to get leave during the winter and that for the last two months and a half he had been laid up in the hospital three days later a carriage drove up to the house the count himself leaped out and hurried across the garden to where fergus was sitting this is indeed kind of you count fergus said as he rose by no means drummond i only wish that we had known your situation before you should have got someone to write if you could not do it yourself we were not surprised at your not visiting us in the winter for with both armies on the alert we knew that in the first place you were busy and probably not able to get leave of absence and in the next place you could hardly have got in you can imagine the concern we felt when your letter reached us yesterday evening of course i determined to start at once you must indeed have had a hard time of it for you have fallen away so much that i should hardly have known you i have picked up very much in the last fortnight count and i hope in another month to be something like myself again though the doctor insists that i shall not be fit for campaigning work for double that time well i have come to take you back with me the countess asked me to tell you that if you do not come at once she will drive hither with two or three of her maids and establish herself as your nurse it will not be a very long drive for i am well known to the austrians and have a pass from the governor to go through their lines when i please and to visit a small estate i have thirty miles to the north and no doubt you can get a similar pass for us to leave your lines i should like nothing so much count but might i not get you into trouble if it were known that you had one of the king's officers at your house in the first place no one would know it and in the second place i don't think that i should get into any trouble were it found out it is not a prussian officer that i shall be entertaining still less a spy but a dear friend who is an invalid and needs care as everyone knows what you did for me the excuse would be ample moreover it happens that governor mcguire is a personal friend of mine and i shall call upon him and tell him that i have a sick friend staying with me and without letting him know who you are say that i give him my word of honor that you will while with me and without remain in the grounds and will make no inquiries concerning his fortification and plans of defense he will understand what i mean and if any one should make a report to him it will at any rate cause no trouble though i do not say that he might not to give me notice that you had best go well for today i will remain here and rest my horses and tomorrow morning we will start early ah i see you have your henchman still with you he like yourself has escaped both austrian and french bullets well carl he went on as the soldier came up you don't seem to have managed to keep your master out of mischief 
no count but it was not my fault it was the fault of those horses you gave him why how was that carl well sir the colonel was the best mounted man on the king's staff and however hard he worked the horses they always seemed to keep in good condition so that whenever there was anything to be done it was sure to be colonel drummond please go here or go there he was always on horseback and so at last he broke down anyone else would have broken down months before but he never seemed to know what it was to be tired what have you got another step drummond the count said smiling at the soldier's tone of discontent yes count it is not for anything particular this time but for what i may call general services you are going to have an easy time of it now carl count eulenfurst is kindly going to take me off and nurse me for a bit and you will have to stay here and look after the horses until i return it would not be safe for you to accompany me and i think you want to rest as much as i want nursing why for two months count this good fellow never took off his coat and i don't think he ever slept an hour at a time i have never once called when he was not there to answer i did what i could carl growled but it was not much the colonel has always looked well after me and the least i could do was to look after him when he wanted it i am very glad he is going with you sir it's it is dull enough for him here i am sure he will get on much faster under your care and the ladies than he would do moping about in this place fergus wrote a note to the general of the division and call returned with a pass authorizing count eulenfurst carriage to pass through the lines at any time there is one difficulty i have not thought of count i have no civilian clothes those i brought with me were left in the magazine at dresden when i first marched away and there they have been ever since but indeed even if i had them i do not think that they would fit me seeing that i have grown some four inches in height since i came out and at least as much more round my shoulders i thought of that the count said and i brought with me a suit from dresden that will i think fit you as well as an invalid's coats can be expected to fit the next morning an early start was made no difficulties were encountered on the way and although sundry detours had to be made they reached the count's house after three hours drive thursa ran down to meet them as the count drove up and she gave a little cry of surprise and pity as the count helped fergus to alight i shall soon be better countess he said with a smile as he held out his hand i am quite a giant in strength compared with what i was a fortnight ago but just at present i am a little tired after the drive you look dreadfully bad the girl said still i hope we shall soon bring you round again my father said you would be back with him about this time and we shall begin by giving you some soup at once as they entered the hall the countess herself came in welcome back again i may say i hope welcome home again major drummond colonel drummond the count corrected he is one of frederick's colonels now i congratulate you she went on though just at present you certainly do not look a very formidable colonel however we will soon build you up but don't try to talk now i see the journey has been almost too much for you in here please i thought you had better take something before you climb the stairs 
a meal was laid in a room leading off the hall and after a basin of soup and a couple of glasses of rhine wine fergus felt much better that is right the count said you have now got a tinge of colour in your cheeks come thirza you must not look so woebegone because our night is pulled down a bit invalids want a cheerful face and unless you brighten up i shall not entrust any of the nursing duties to you thirza tried to smile but the attempt was a very forced one it has been a surprise she said quietly but with an evident effort you see i have always seen colonel drummond looking so strong and bright though i knew that he had been very ill somehow i did not expect to see him like this but i can assure you i am better fergus said laughing i did feel done when we arrived but i can assure you that it is not my normal state and being here among you all will very soon effect a transformation in a very short time you will see that i shall refuse altogether to be treated as an invalid and my nurse's post will be a sinecure now you had better go and lie down and get a sleep for two or three hours the countess said decidedly you will have your old bedroom and we have fitted up the next room as a sitting room we know a good many of the austrian and confederate officers and of an afternoon and evening they often drop by and although we are not afraid of questions it will be more pleasant for you to have a place of your own still i hope you will be able to be out in a garden behind the house the best part of the day under the trees you would be as safe from interruption there as if you were a hundred miles away from dresden we have arranged that thursday shall have chief charge of you out there while the count and i will look after you while you are in the house fergus obediently lay down and slept for some hours as the countess had arranged he rang his bell on waking and hearing from the servant who answered it that there were no visitors downstairs he went down the count had gone out but the countess and thirza went out into the grounds with him he found that in a quiet and shady corner a sofa had been placed for his use with a table and two or three chairs the countess remained chatting with him until a servant came out to say that three austrian officers had called and she went in leaving him in charge of thirza for two or three hours they talked together and were then joined by the count and countess when fergus told them the piece of good fortune that had befallen him by recovering his father's estate they were greatly pleased and interested and are they extensive the count asked they are extensive he said if taken by acreage but if calculated by the revenue that they bring in they would seem small to you but at any rate they suffice to make one wealthy in scotland the large proportion of it is mountain and moorland but at the head of my clan i shall hold a position far above what is represented by the income two hundred men were ready to draw sword at my father's orders and to follow him in battle i don't know that here in germany you can quite understand the ties that bind the members of a clan to their head they do not regard him as tenants regard a lord but rather as a protector a friend and even a relation all disputes are carried to him for arbitration the finest trout from the stream the fattest buck from the hill are sent to him 
as an offering. They draw their swords at his bidding and will die for him in battle. To them he is a sort of king, and they would obey his orders, were he to tell them to rise in rebellion. The feeling is, to some extent, dying out, and, since Kaludin, the power of the clans has greatly abated. Nevertheless, some of the highland regiments in our army were raised by chiefs wholly from their own clansmen. In many respects, this restoration of my inheritance changes my position altogether. As I told you the last time I was here, I shall stop until this terrible war is over. The king has been most kind and gracious to me, and to leave before the struggle is over, I should feel to be an act of desertion. Once the sword is sheathed, I intend to return to Scotland, for I should not care to remain in the service when there is naught but life and garrison to look forward to. Moreover, the strength of the army would, of course, be largely diminished at once. What I should do afterwards, I know not. Perhaps I might obtain a commission in our own army, for there are always opportunities of seeing service in America, India, or elsewhere under the British flag. More likely I shall, at any rate for a time, remain at home. My mother has no other child, and it is a lonely life indeed for her. Do you not think of settling here? What is there for me to do, Count, outside the army? I could not turn merchant, for I should assuredly be bankrupt at the end of the first month. Nor could I well turn cultivator when I have had no land to dig. Now, however, my future is determined for me, and a point that has, I own, troubled me much, has been decided without an effort on my part. The conversation was continued for some little time, the Count asking many questions about Fergus's ancestral home, the scenery, the mode of life. Fergus noticed that Thursday took no part in the conversation and stood still and looked, he thought, pale. The day succeeded each other quietly and uneventful, and Fergus gained strength rapidly, so that in the middle of July he began to feel that he was again fit for service. One evening he was sitting alone in the garden with the Count, when the latter said to him, You remember our conversation on the first evening of our coming here, as to the impossibility of your doing anything? Did you remain out here after leaving the army? That was one solution to which you did not allude. Many Scottish and Irish soldiers, both in this country, in France, Austria, and Germany, have married well. Why should you not do the same? Fergus was silent for a minute, and then he said, Yes, Count, but they continued in the service, rose to the rank of generals, and, as in the case of my cousin Keith, to that of Marshal. But you might do the same if you remained in the army, the Count said. You are assuredly, by far, the youngest colonel in it. You are a favorite of the King's and might hope for anything. I am afraid, Count, I have too much of our Scottish feeling of independence and should not, therefore, like to owe everything to a wife. The feeling is credible, if not carried too far, the Count said. You have a position that is a most honorable one. You have made your name famous in the army where brave men are common. You possess the qualities of youth, a splendid physique, 
and i don't wish to flatter you a face that might win any woman's fancy there are none however placed who might not be proud of such a son-in-law you judge everything by yourself count fergus said slowly you overrate my qualities and forget the fact that i am after all but a soldier of fortune then you never thought of such a thing fergus was silent for a minute and then said we may think of many things count that we know in our hearts are but fancies which will never be realized let us suppose a case the count said let us take a case like mine you did me an inestimable service you certainly saved my life and the lives of several others including perhaps those of my wife and daughter the latter house constantly heard your name associated with deeds of valor would it be improbable that she should feel a depth of gratitude that would as she grew increase into a warmer feeling while you on your part might entertain a liking for her would it be such an out-of-the-way thing for you to come to me and ask her hand or an out-of-the-way thing that i should be gladly give her to you it may not seem so to you count fergus said quietly but it has seemed so to me i understand what you are so generously saying but even with such encouragement i can scarcely dare to ask what seems to me so presumptuous a question for four years now this house has been as a home for me and it was but natural that as your daughter grew up i should have grown to love her i have told myself hundreds of times that it would be indeed a base return for your kindness were i to try to steal a heart and never have i said a single word to her that i would not have said aloud had you and her mother been present during the month that i have been here now i have struggled hard with myself thrown with her as i have been for hours every day but i have made up my mind that no word which should ever pass my lips and if it has done so now it is because you have drawn it from me i am glad that i have done so the count said gravely for the last two years i have hoped that this might be so for in no other way could i repay our debt of gratitude to you i cannot tell you what thurs's thoughts are but there have been three suitors for her hand this year any of whom might well in point of means and character have been considered suitable but when i spoke to her she laughed at the idea and though she said nothing i gathered that her love was already given as my only child her happiness is my first consideration as to the question of means it is absurd to mention them for did she marry the wealthiest noble she could desire no more than she will have i told you the first time you came to us after that terrible night that we should always regard you as one of ourselves we have done so and i can assure you that our mother and i desire nothing better for her for your sake i am glad that you have come into this scottish estate but for my own i care nothing for it and indeed am in one respect sorry for you will naturally wish that for a part of the time each year she should reside there with you now that has not been so dreadful has it not in any way count and i thank you with all my heart for your kindness my feeling for your daughter has grown up gradually 
and it was not until i was last here that i recognized how much i cared for her i then when i went away resolved it would be better for me not to return at any rate not to stay here again until i heard that she was married it is true that i talked of paying you a visit even were dresden captured but i knew that when the time came i should be able to find excuses for not doing so during the time that i was laid up with fever she was ever in my mind but the necessity for my remaining away from here only impressed itself more and more strongly upon me then you appeared and carried me off i could not refuse to come without giving my reasons but i fully determined that in no way by look or word would i allow her to see that i regarded her other than as the daughter of my kind host i have had a hard fight to keep that resolution for each day my feelings have grown stronger and stronger and i have resolved that before i left i would own to you not my presumption for i have not presumed but my weakness and ask you to press me no more to come here until your daughter was married you have acted just as i should have expected from you drubbed the great hope of the countess and myself has been to see thirza happily married fortune or position in a suitor has been altogether immaterial points excepting that we would assure ourselves that it was not to obtain these that our hand was sought from the first we had regarded you not only with gratitude but with deep interest it seemed to us only natural that after so strange and romantic a beginning to your acquaintance thursa should regard you with more than ordinary interest to her you would be a sort of a hero of romance we watched you closely then and found that in addition to your bravery you possess all the qualities that we could desire you are modest frank and natural so far from making much of the service you had rendered us you were always unwilling to speak of it and when that could not be avoided you made as little of it as possible i spoke several times of you to marshal keith and he said that he regarded you almost as a son and spoke in the highest terms of you we saw or fancied we saw in the pleasure which thirza betrayed when you returned after each of your absences and in the anxiety which she evinced when battles had taken place until i could ascertain that your name was not among the lists of killed and wounded that what we had thought likely was taking place and that she regarded you with an interest beyond that which would be excited by gratitude only as to yourself and your thoughts on a subject we knew nothing we never saw anything in your manner to her that showed that your heart was affected you chatted with her as freely and naturally as to us and even since you have been here in this time we have observed no change in you and yet it seemed to us well nigh impossible that a young soldier should be thrown so much with a girl who though it is her father who says so is exceptionally pretty and of charming manners and continued to regard her with indifference unless indeed he loved elsewhere which we were sure in your case could hardly be 
i had however like yourself determined to speak on the matter before you left us as had you not felt towards her as we hoped the countess and i agreed that it would be better for her sake that we should not press you to come to stay with us again until she was married i am truly glad that the matter stands as we had hoped i can only repeat that there is no one to whom we could entrust our happiness so confidently as to you i will do my best to justify your confidence count fergus said warmly now i will go into the house and tell my wife and then we can acquaint thursday it is the custom here at least among people of rank for the parents first to acquaint their daughter with a proposal that has been made for her hand and of their wishes on the subject parental control is not carried to the point now that it used to be and maidens sometimes entertain different opinions to those of their parents happily in the present case there is no reason to fear that thirza will exhibit any contumacy fortunately we are alone at dinner to-day therefore do you come down a quarter of an hour before the usual hour and we will get the matter formally settled when fergus went into the drawing-room the count was already there Thurza shows no unwillingness to carry out our commands in this matter he said with a smile as he held out his hand to fergus and shook it very heartily i pointed out to her that you would naturally expect her to accompany you every year to scotland and to spend some months among your people there she did not seem to consider that any insupportable objection in one respect fergus i think that it is well for you that i am comparatively a young man being now but forty-four while the countess is six years younger thus it may be a good many years before you will be called upon to assume the control of my estates and the position of one of the great landowners of saxony one of these estates will of course be thurza's dowry at once but that will not tie you so much and you will be freer to come and go as it pleases you two or three minutes later the door opened and the countess entered leading thurza by the hand the girl advanced with downcast eyes until her father stepped forward and took her left hand while he held the right of fergus my daughter he said your mother and i have chosen for your husband colonel fergus drummond we consider the match to be in an all ways a suitable one we esteem him highly and are convinced that he will make you happy loving you as he says tenderly and truly in this room where you first saw him i need not recall to you the services he rendered to us and i exhort you to obey this our order and to be a true and loving spouse to him the girl looked up now that will i father and mother and most willingly and will always to my life's end be a true and loving wife to him take her drummond you have won your bride fairly and well take her colonel the count said putting her hand into that of fergus you have won your bride fairly well and i know that you will be a worthy husband to her that i swear to be fergus said as he stooped and kissed her i feel how great is the boon that you have given me and shall to my wife's end be deeply thankful 
to you both for the confidence which you have placed in me in thus entrusting her to my care and to you thirza do i swear to be a loving husband to the end of my life and now the count said we will leave these young people till the bell rings and taking the countess's hand he led her into the next room in ten minutes that passed before the signal for dinner was given sufficed to do much to lessen the awkwardness of the occasion and fergus was heartily grateful to the count for having left them to themselves for that short time the dinner passed off as usual the count chatting gaily while fergus attempted with indifferent success to follow him thirza was very silent but her cheeks were flushed and her eyes radiant with happiness it did not escape the attention of the servants who waited that instead of as usual leading down the countess while the count brought down his daughter this time the count and his wife had come down first followed by fergus and the young countess nor were they slow to notice thirza's flushed face the count's household had been deeply interested in the visits of fergus the women had always been unanimous in their opinion that they would all have been murdered by the marauders had it not been for his interposition and had also agreed that the most proper thing in the world after what had happened would be that the young countess should some day marry this brave young officer each time that he had come during the last four years they had watched and hoped that they should hear that this was coming about but hitherto they had been terribly disappointed and had almost agreed that if nothing came in this long visit nothing would ever come of it the news therefore brought down by the men service excited a lively interest i said all along that it would be some day one of the women exclaimed the countess would never have allowed our young lady to be out in the garden every afternoon if she and the count had not been willing that there should be a match and i am sure i don't see how he could have helped falling in love with the young countess nor she with him another woman added he is the pleasantest looking young gentleman i have ever seen and we know that he is one of the bravest and though he is a prussian officer there is not a bit of stiffness about him well i only hope it is true i would not count on it too much one of the old women said you never can take men folks opinions on such matters i am sure any of us would know with half an eye if we saw them together how matters stood but as for men they are as blind as bats in such matters still the fact that he took the young countess down instead of our lady goes for something the next morning indeed the news was confirmed the countess told her tired woman who had been thursday's nurse what had happened and in a few minutes it was well known all over the house even the parties most concerned scarcely felt more pleasure than the women of the count's establishment End of chapter eighteen